0: Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up, and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. For Wes's random pick of the week, available now on HBO, a movie from 2020. Let Him Go. Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, not a bad top billing cast, especially considering my Kevin costner assance.
1: They're super parents. Do tell. They're Jor-El's Earth parents in Henry Cavill's Man of Steel.
0: Superman is an alien and he was adopted by Earth parents?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How can you be so nerdy about some things and then not at all about others?
0: Does this qualify as a Western?
1: Yes, I think it does. I think because it could fit into any time period. Western being, of course, as we discussed, the classic American genre. This is very much an Americana story that could be. It's hard to pin down when this movie took place until we saw the cars. And it's like, is it a classic car? No, because otherwise everyone in town would have to also be a classic car collector. But it could have been 1963 where it was set. It could have been 2020. You can never tell in Montana daily life.
0: Right, because everything has that kind of classic handed down through the generations kind of feel, but wasn't important for the story of Let Him Go to be set in the 60s.
1: And I think the novel was set in 1950. So even this is a little bit of an update. It's a different time where things were possible, where there's this feeling of removal when your former daughter-in-law and your grandson disappear in the middle of the night and you have little recourse except to use your policing skills and your intuition to find your way to where they are it's not like you know pull up the google margaret
0: would they have had more legal recourse in 2021?
1: I don't know. I mean, what do you do? Do you start a social media campaign? I think that <laughs> the, the legendary power held by the Wee Boys is something only possible in rural America at a certain time because these small towns are so encapsulated.
0: Were the Wee Boys gangsters?
1: In a sense, in a Western sense, in the same way that this is a Western, sure. They were gangsters in attitude and of a controlling nature and wouldn't be outside the restrictions of the law because the law is afraid of their reach and the repercussions. So they're definitely doing their own thing. I don't know how much they were involved in organized criminal enterprise, but they probably could have been.
0: It seemed like what power did they have other than the willingness to wield violence? It wasn't like they were magnates or they had some kind of business or operation.
1: They were more or less dirt poor. But in this sphere, they had absolute power.
0: As demonstrated through their sway over the police. I mean, that policeman in the hospital at the end may as well have been a wee boy or akin to.
1: I don't think that that cop was corrupt. I don't think he was on their side. He was simply incapable and deathly afraid of going against them, especially if he was like the only town sheriff
0: well, why was he being all creepy and being like, that would be such a shame. Smallest thing in the world is a kid's casket. Like, what the hell?
1: Yeah. But a lot of what we got from this movie was inferences drawn. And so we can make a lot of assumptions. He did say some harsh stuff that got Kevin Costner kicking in his bed. Right.
0: Did you notice that he punches, I think it's Blanche, with his stump (laughs) hand? Yes.
1: I said out loud, oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> I
0: mean, uh, he didn't even like flinch or like, you know, do the handshakey shaky thing after that they do in some movies to suggest that it really actually very much hurts your own hand to hit somebody.
1: But George is a toughen. Like, I have no doubt they he could have been like Margaret fire up the frying pan and they could have like cast iron cauterized it cuz he had his little thumb sticking out and i'm like oh he's still got an opposable digit and maybe he's going to be all right now i was like i wonder in the 60s do they have the medical expertise can they should be able that was a clean cut and they left almost immediately they could reattach it and ultimately it didn't matter
0: i thought that that's what was happening when she's holding him and he's kind of looking away and the doctor is at work i thought they were surgically reapplying the fingers
1: yep they just sewing him up
0: george was tough salt of the earth made of leather
1: <laughs> and you know you can tell right how? Because he was made of leather except for that standard issue Kevin Costner jacket with the wool inside.
0: <laughs> the fleece lined?
1: I think that he carries around that jacket and he's like, Yellowstone, I got a jacket for that. Let him go, I got a jacket for that.
0: <laughs> Kevin Costner could have done this rule in his sleep. Yeah. This is just Kevin Costner's shtick. I mean, not that it wasn't a good performance. What did you call uh, Josh Brolin? Like, all of these Western dudes are like big softies, like they're alpha male big softies.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It's just that hard, crusty. I <laughs> think I called him sweaty and crusty. The crusty exterior. He's like a Kevin <laughs> Costner pie.
0: Yeah, all, soft... all like crusty on the outside and soft and gooey on the inside.
1: But I really like Kevin Costner. I think he's a magnetic actor, even though not a great actor. When he's gruff and he imparts his little asides and he's grumbling about Margaret this and Margaret that, he, he's great. But then when he has his outburst in the bed, I was like, ooh, I forgot. Kevin Costner's not an amazing actor.
0: You mean when he kicks the foot of the bed and he's like shaken?
1: Yeah, when he's like so yelling bad. at her about her, she still wants to go back. And he does his little, because for Kevin Costner, getting emotional means his voice breaking. And he's like, what do you want me to do, Margaret? <laughs> and you're like, oh, right. He's not a great actor, but he's like the Ben Affleck of his day, which I, I also like watching. And it, it's it's serviceable. But for the most part, he plays George, like you said, in his sleep, very Kevin Costnery. And that's a good thing.
0: He certainly has a presence in any scene that he's in or any room that he occupies. But really, this is Diane Lane's movie.
1: Uh, yeah, she is the undercurrent of strength and resolve and determination and driving surprisingly force. strong because I had thought, too, that she would defer to him in certain matters. Who do you think is doing all the driving, you know, and all this stuff? And really, I do believe that that character would have gone on her own and knocked on the door with a revolver in her sweater pocket. She's a horsebreaker.
0: She's determined, she's focused, she has follow through, she has courage, she has convictions. Um, she's probably a little attached to her grandson, but he's in peril.
1: Yeah, those hugs went on a little long.
0: Yeah, she, you know, and but it's all justified given the tragedy with her son sure, and all that. And yet, I found myself been pretty annoyed with her uh, <laughs> a lot of the time, and I don't know how much of that had to do with the fact that I saw myself in her And I was like, damn, this is what it's like for people to deal with me. I'm sorry, everybody. Like, she was so annoying. And I was like, is that what I'm like?
1: There's a couple of things. Number one, she's a modern woman living in a not modern age. 1963 Montana is not today. California that you know. And she hmm. is ahead of her time, but maybe not in the best sense of the word, because she faces real peril and she can get in trouble. And sometimes she needs to have the door slammed on her mid-sentence because they're surrounded by people that she has no control over. You know, she's hmm. ahead of herself. And I'm sure the men folk are like, she needs to know her place. You better keep her in check because she would go on and get in real trouble as she is like the... More refined, proper Blanche. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have the same motivations, Mm-mm. but they're certainly head of their households. Mm-hmm. This is her. This movie is her and Blanche, essentially, and all the rest are their henchmen.
0: They're the godmothers.
1: And consideration has to be given to her progressive attitude for the time and place of this movie, which was hard to pin down because in a lot of ways it felt so contemporary.
0: So much of the tragedy that this movie ends with was unnecessary. Like how much unnecessary death and trauma did Margaret bring on and to what end?
1: Certainly death and trauma, but at the same time, in a weird, heroic way, they liberated the entire town
0: of the pestilence that was the wee boy family. We
1: don't get to see the cowering sheriff who then has to show up at the scene and be like, you was right, and and thank you for what you did, and and we we appreciate it. (laughs)
0: Like shuffling his feet in the dirt, all ashamed-like.
1: Yes, there was a lot of violence.
0: Like a surprising amount of violence for what this movie was right. set out I, to be.
1: I mentioned this to Kelly. I honestly wondered if ultimately they were just going to let him go. Like, I still don't know who the titular him was. Was it George? Was it the son? Was it the grandson? Does it matter?
0: So initially it was, you know, her grief of letting go of her son, who dies tragically. And then throughout the movie, I'm just like, let the grandson go. Like, just let it go, Margaret. This is out of your hands. And then she has to let her husband go. Spoiler. Um, There's a lot of, yeah, good point. There's lots of hymns.
1: But definitely some grief transference, right? It seems like the final straw of, of having to negotiate the loss of her son in her own mind came about when the grandson suddenly disappeared. The last sort of vestige and the house was empty. So I want to talk about this movie's strange impact on me because i thought well i'm assuming a tragedy gonna befall these ranchers something bad's gonna happen and they're gonna keep on ranching with a little bit less help and she's just gonna have to let him go and i was like oh that's gonna be sad and contemplative and then this strange thing happened where it became a rescue operation where it became a gangster picture and we got really caught up and In a way, I think a lot of this movie unfolded in such a way that we were able to insert ourselves, to make inferences, to assign morality to certain things. What would you do? What would I do? Are they any better or worse? Than what George and Margaret end up doing. After the death of their son, and she's putting on her her black outfit, and it's almost as though the wedding of the former daughter-in-law to this new husband was in a way a grieving process coming a culmination of a grieving process where, you know, they were dressing for the wedding, but ultimately they were letting her go.
0: Yep. Juxtapositionally, ceremonially, chronologically, it was all it definitely conveyed that idea.
1: And it happened fast. It went from the little boy being an infant to three years old and kind of montage you with the new husband. And immediately, for no real reason, Kelly pipes up and she's like, so do you get like an abusive vibe from him? This is him shaking George's hand after the wedding. <laughs> wow. And I was like, no, I just think that they're just a touch cool to him because he is in essence replacing the son.
0: Wow. Go women's intuition, Kelly.
1: And so obviously, as it gets farther along, I was like, when you said you get an abusive vibe, where did you see that? And she's like, it's just how I felt. And I was like, man, because I got nothing to hang that on. But all the while, I'm doing the same thing because I'm putting myself in Kevin Costner's shoes, and it's not that I have intuition, but rather my morality and my judgment is firmly in place and in line with him. And the guy's like, we boy is like, one of you should definitely ride with me. And I'm like, hell no. And he's like, where the hell are you going? And I was like, you're not letting her get in that car. And she was like all insistent. And I was like, no, you need to ram his car. There's no way you're supposed to let her in the car. And I was ultra protective of her because that's my role. When the question came about, she's like, are you coming or ain't you? Because she was going. I'm making them more country than they are. But uh, (laughs) when she's going and he doesn't even know she has the gun, but she's prepared to drive off in search of the sun.
0: She has nothing to go on other than a state.
1: Right. But if Kelly was going to do that, and she would probably be headstrong at least enough to embark on the beginning of this journey. I don't know that she would have like kicked down the farmhouse door or anything, but there's no scenario where you let that woman go alone. And it has nothing to do with being a woman. It has to do with my responsibility as a partner. Of course he's coming. You know, we do turn know. off the pipes you where know, well, you want to come back to frozen pipes. Of course he's going.
0: This was her thing that she needed to work out. I mean, I don't fault George for tagging along.
1: Ladies have a process, but his supportive role is no matter what craziness she comes up with, he has to be a party to it. That's his responsibility.
0: I mean, maybe that's a dude thing or whatever, but I was perfectly happy to let her go and do this thing that she needed no to do. yeah
1: she was gonna get yeah. in trouble and I would have
0: been like you work that thing out like God speed you and if you come home empty-handed I'm here to support you no way yeah she had a thing that she had to work out and what is him tagging along gonna do to help that?
1: Because it was dangerous. If they disappear, they don't want to be found.
0: Well, it's dangerous if you go poking around and inserting yourself and trying. I mean, she wanted to go and take him like she would without guidance. Margaret was probably capable of like stealing into the wee boy house, you know, especially if they were like a docile family or something like that. And she would have taken the boy in the night from his mother. She had no right to take Jimmy from Lorna.
1: I mean, that's true enough. And that's she insane. was ahead of herself. So are, it seems like you're suggesting then that Margaret was enabled by Kevin Costner to be so bold as to suggest that she could steal the kid in the middle of the night. I
0: guess Kevin Costner knew just how stubborn and headstrong his wife could be. But yeah, he could have, he should have and could have advised her that this was a really bad idea and that there were alternatives to what it ultimately was that she wanted or needed.
1: She was dismissive of his instinct when he said, don't get in the car, what are you doing? Get back in the car. Would she have, on her own, parked her car, him being like, well, you need to blah, 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 ain't no sense, and you following me, following me. So why don't you hop in the cab, and we'll have a chat on the way to this compound. The same thing would have happened, and she would have gotten raped, and she would have gotten dead.
0: It was a horrible idea, and at that point, Kevin Costner had little choice. He's not letting her get in the car, and then he's going to sit and wait in the town for her to return away. But, like, the little things is Rami Malek going to get in the car? Well, that's just really bad judgment
1: on his part. All I'm saying is I was firmly on Kevin Costner's side. George was, he, he wasn't right. He just wasn't willing to take risks until risks were absolutely necessary. And I could feel the vibe. It's like Kevin Costner could hear the score and he's like something ain't right, I could hear it. And she kept getting in, into the car. And it when you said she was awkward, Kelly kind of felt the same thing. She was like, "She's a little much, right?" Like she's a little much. A little too, it was almost southern charm and a little bit too smiley and and this facade where she was more putting people on edge and on guard than if she'd just been casual.
0: She's not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes. It's like, obviously, the wee boys were onto her and them the moment they stepped foot in whatever that first city was. Thalberg or Dyson or Thyroid or wherever that place was.
1: <laughs> well, you know why? It's because she's the opposite of Blanche. And Blanche would be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, and Margaret was a little bit too nice. And they were like, what's happening? We don't understand this.
0: Yeah, she was trying to be like, we're family and all, except I'm here to remove my grandson from your
1: presence. Right. The point I'm trying to make is that we were pretty emotionally invested. Like when things come to pass, and honestly, I didn't see a real resolution, especially when Kevin Costner is laid low and he loses his shooting hand. I don't know what's going to happen because how can they possibly resolve this situation? It's not like the wee boys don't have guns, although it may appear they couldn't really afford guns because I didn't. I don't think they came to the party with guns. I think they came to the party with a sack full of wood chopping apparatus.
0: And like four dudes.
1: And Kelly's irate. She's like, they cannot leave that little boy in that house. And I was like, "Really? Okay. well, I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) what do you expect them to do? Right? They're only Superman's adoptive <laughs> parents. I didn't see a way out of the situation. And Kelly was hella fired up.
0: So she was in the Margaret camp?
1: Oh totally. I
0: was not in the Margaret camp.
1: She said she didn't she didn't know if she would be able to go to their house like he did, but she was outraged. And the point is that we felt the drama and we felt the this the setup and I didn't see a resolution.
0: I get it. The, it's working for you. It's the impossible. You, you feel in the the impossibility of the situation. But um, I mean, kids are resilient. It's not like she needed to get him out that day or that week or that month. There's a long game to play here. And Margaret's impulsive. And her rushing into this caused a whole lot of damage.
1: It's true. She said to him, what did I do to you?
0: Right. I mean, kids have survived worse situations. It's not like George didn't have lawmen from his past. Like, they could have teamed up a little bit. Yeah, the
1: Hells Angels could have showed up and surrounded the house.
0: They didn't have to just go in the two of them with no resources against this this family on their home turf. Like, it was just the odds were all stacked against them. And they didn't need, there wasn't the time pressure that Margaret was feeling in
1: reality. With every day, that kid was becoming more of a wee boy, and that couldn't happen. (sighs) But when things come to a head, and you know that they're not gonna, they ain't gonna be kin, they're not gonna be friends, is when obviously when they burst into the hotel room, and he threatens rape on Margaret, and George is being held up, and then terrible things happen to his hand and stuff. But that was the moment, (laughs) and that was the moment where we we parted ways a little bit, George and I, and Kelly as well, because she was yelling, "Shoot him, just." shoot him and it would have been a bloodbath in the hotel room and when he had the jump on Margaret's would-be assailant I forget which wee boy that was I think that was the original tour guide wee boy had he shot him in the head and had I think they cut off the snake's head if he had time to get two shots off and one was into the temple of the dude to whom he was holding the gun and the other was to Blanche, I think it would have taken the steam out of the rest of them If he threatens rape and if that's your only opportunity to get the upper hand, you start shooting. Because I feel like George, as an ex cop, he knew how untenable that situation was and he saw the direction it was going. He he had one opportunity. And it was
0: totally in self defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He should have shot Everyone, because I don't think that the wee boys were quite powerful enough to have like judges in their pocket or anything. If they're all dead, I really think that was the extent of their reach. And there were stories far and wide of Blanche and her rowdy boys. And that was kind of it. If he had taken them out in one fell swoop, which indeed they did ultimately at the house, they would have been much better off
0: it was way messier at the house and the kid was in the mix like that was the gnarliest part for me like blanche is like holding george and jimmy at gunpoint and he throws jimmy over the staircase i saw it coming that's way more risk than (laughs) jimmy would ever have been in in a lifetime with the wee boys
1: Jimmy was a MacGuffin. When Kevin when George creeps into the house and we cut to Jimmy asleep in his bed, I was actually kind of encouraged. I was like, look, he's got a blanket and everything, and he's in his little <laughs> jammies. Like he's gonna be all right. Because I expected him in the corner with like a rope tied around his <laughs> ankle, sleeping on boards. <laughs>
0: That's what I'm saying. Kids have endured far worse. If a kid's in an abusive situation in 2021, you don't go in and like bust the kid out like he's being held hostage. You go to protective services, you file some paperwork, start your social media campaign.
1: This movie wasn't like that. This wasn't about the proper channels. This movie was about good and evil and the wee boys were evil. When they go to the kidnapper's house and meet the kidnapper family, And she's like, sit down. You're going to insult me eating my pork chops. That formality and that illusion of hospitality irked me from the beginning. Not in a bad way like this movie was done poorly, but rather I was like, this is so dangerous. Why would you get off your feet? Who knows who's going to come through that door? And you're in the viper's nest. So stressful. It was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre up in Blanche's house. And if you haven't seen that movie, you don't know what I'm talking about, but I do.
0: I'm surprised they got away from that uh, that night unscathed at
1: all. Right. I was like, how could they have them more in their trap? All you have to do is block the door. Because I don't think George brought his gun in. I kept hoping a surprise gun would pop out. We we were led to understand that it was going to happen when George gave a you know shot a glance at his suitcase where it was still wrapped in like the dish towel. Right. But I was like, no, at some point, he's going to have to pull a gun just to get him out of that house. They were in peril the entire time. And don't get me wrong. I think that Leslie Manville did a good job. She was great in Phantom Thread, but I didn't place her because she's so (laughs) maniacal, backwoods, like the hills have eyes. I wrote down Merrill Cheap. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, Meryl Cheap is wholly responsible for everything they're going to go through for the rest of this movie. She was the kingpin.
0: She was, and she almost felt like I think I read another review where I think it was RogerEbert.com where they said that Leslie Manville's performance, Blanche, kind of felt like she came in from another movie. <laughs> I was like, wait, who is she and why is she so theatrical and in your face? But then it kind of, but it also worked.
1: Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those people that you called out for not having seen it.
1: So effective was her character. As hammy and overacting as it might have been, it was just her flexing. She was menacing and maniacal and scary. And then all the wee boys around her were just like stupid, like, you tell them, mama. (laughs) Kind of thing. But I honestly thought Margaret has her thing with Lorna outside the restaurant after lunch. And I was like all mad. I was like, oh, God. And Kelly's like, what? And I was like, that's the this is the goodbye. This poor kid has 12 hours to live. She goes from her 12 hour shift to claiming to meet them at midnight or two o'clock or whatever. I totally oh, thought was she a... was gonna die.
0: Yeah, of course. Just
1: the idea that she would cross the wee boys and put that out into the universe, and th- they were gonna glean yeah. that information somehow and kill her right off.
0: Lorna and Jimmy are never safe. We'll never be safe unless the wee boys are done. And, 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 and to her, that her... end,
1: I I did not see the black ledges having the wherewithal or even the resources, especially when he was compromised. To get that done.
0: Like after the fact to provide the protection that they would all need.
1: It was great tension going in.
0: But we we keep on saying like how outnumbered they were and how it was just the two of them. But we haven't talked at all about Boo Boo.
1: Who's Boo Boo? Oh, yeah. I saw Boo-Boo. the credits. And I, I was like, which one was Boo Boo? <laughs> that guy, when he showed up and then they said goodbye to him, I said, we're never going to see that dude again. And Kelly was very in tune. She was like, I am good at this game, when they were headed back. And she's like, he's, 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 he's heading back to What's-His-Name's house? And I was like, who? Much more on top of this movie than I was.
0: Apparently, she was really tracking. Yeah. I mean, did they go back? They went back to Boo Boo's just so that he could like recoup for the night.
1: I think they needed to clear town, but still have a safe place and maybe call in some reinforcements. I really thought. But I was like, what good is Boo Boo going to do? He's just a baby and he stutters and he's unsure of himself and he's displaced.
0: He had his anonymity and his off the gridness. That was his that was at least what they had. He had to offer them that night ultimately he he jumps on somebody and then he's in the background kind of saving margaret as george ultimately sacrifices himself for margaret and conceivably they all get away on his horse horse.
1: something happens to him and he's at one point struggling with blanche and then she like throws him off and he flies off screen and presumably he's cowering in the corner because he doesn't come back until everyone's dead until it's safe and so intense was the situation. And I thought that there were secret passageways, like the people under the stairs and more wee boys were going to pop out. When when the house is like on fire and she's whispering in his ear, I'm, I'm like, this is not the time, Margaret. I get that this is all coming around, but he is not a horse and this is not the time. You leave the dead guy and you get the hell out of there.
0: Well, she had to make sure that she was dead. She's not going to leave her, her her wounded husband to get to burn up in the house.
1: Look, the way you do things up Montana way. He's already hobbled, and if he's it looks like he's done in, and the fire's coming closer, you plug him a good one, put him out of his misery, and you get out of there.
0: Yeah, you put him down like a horse. Yeah.
1: Margaret was very driven emotionally and that would I think would have gotten her into a bad situation. She would have charged into that house where she had no business being, no real prospect of getting the kid out of there safely despite what you say, she still would have tried. But she's not cold or stupid. She is simply driven by her need For what is right and closure for herself without real regard to her personal safety, as was evidenced by the fact that she was willing to do what George ultimately did. Like, I wonder if he had let his guard down and let the painkillers take over and gotten a good night's rest, if she she wouldn't have gone all Sarah Connor on her own. I think she was pissed (laughs) that he took the station wagon before she could do it. Um, Obviously, we're portraying strong, modern women, but at the same time, I'm really surprised that no one told george or spoke directly to george or suggested that she didn't have a place at that table or in the conversation look if you want to discuss this thing we can do it i don't know about her but you know if you want to come have a discussion with me over cigars we can do that and that never really happened it seemed like both women were sort of out of place in 1963 montana you know i expected a full-on catfight where they throw each other through windows and stuff at the end
0: Diane Lane gets her own. She takes Blanche out in a spectacular shotgun blast. Yeah. Like flying, you know, five Like Will feet. Money
1: style? Spoiler.
0: <laughs> Into the back wall. But um, it seemed like a whole lot of unnecessary wreckage, which deflates the victory. It could have all been a little bit more strategic if Margaret wasn't such a hothead and Kevin Hotner wasn't quite so hot for
1: Margaret. <sighs> You back your partner's play no matter what. You've obviously never been a middle-aged, doting husband. You back your wife's play. Happy wife, happy life. That's logic.
0: Even if she's illogical.
1: There may be some illogic in her execution, but her motivations... Are sound. She didn't check with him and say, look, not only are we going to it was absurd, the idea that a mother would ever give up her child. But when she's like, no, not just this, but we're going to go against this crime family and we're going to bring you back and you're going to live with us and it's going to be fine. And George is nodding along the whole time.
0: All right. So let him go. Worked for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I didn't expect much of it. I certainly didn't expect what we got, and when it got a little hairy, I was like yeesh because I was unexpectedly more invested than I thought was possible. And that's a good thing. Because this movie for not really being all that surprising kind of surprised me.
0: Huh. And my first boring in a long time.
1: What? No, you that's not possible.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: This movie was boring. This movie for all its you know, for any perceived flaws was anything but boring. It was super engaging and this was unforgiven for old Well, no, Unforgiven was unforgiven for old folks. but
0: <laughs> This is unforgiven for grandparents. You say I'm in the Margaret camp. I just couldn't get behind Margaret. Her motivation was the driving force of this film, and I just couldn't get behind it. I'm just, I, and I'm also, I've been doling out too many goods. It's just not fair. I need to have more discretion. And uh, this is the new, harder <sighs> Iris giving Let Him Go, terrible title.
1: Terrible title. A boring.
0: And maybe I'll regret it. But in this moment, I'm going to say, and, you know, and I always like when you get excited about a movie, too, I always kind of like to poo-poo it, so.
1: You don't even know what I gave this movie. Now you got me all fired up. I was very happy with Let Him Go. It certainly jazzed my, you know, Thursday night up a little bit. I'll give it a solid all right.
0: And there you have it. A solid all right from Wes. A boring from Iris. And that's a review on Let Him Go. Available now on HBO, Am I Crazy? Was I Overly Affected by Margaret? Maybe. Is Wes a simp? Definitely. (laughs) Hit us up, or whatever, movies at gmail.com. What's our phone number, Wes?
1: 818-835-0473.
0: Thank you for listening to our review on Let Him Go, and we'll see you next time.